Good afternoon. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast brought to you by the Del Norte County Office of Education and Del Norte Unified School District. My name is Jeff Harris, and I'm the superintendent of schools for Del Norte. You know, we we have not done one of these podcasts in a long time, and I think it's kind of appropriate that we launch this new series of podcasts for the second semester of school with probably one of the most historic conversations I think that we've had in quite a while. So joining me today are Elisa Northrup, the clerk recorder and registrar of voters for the county of Del Norte. Welcome, Elisa. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) And Don MacArthur, the president of the Board of Trustees. And we'll talk about the many, many hats that Don has worn throughout this process. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. And Jonathan Barry Smith. And uh, Jonathan has um, kind of shepherded us through this uh, process from early, early on uh, this last uh, fall and, and late summer through the completion of the districting process that our district has just gone through. Um, and Jonathan works at Lozano Smith. So Jonathan, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, this was a really, I'm really excited to be here. And um, yeah, I just wanted to point out, since I am an attorney for Lozano Smith, I just wanted to share that um, what we're talking about here, I'm not giving out legal advice. I just wanted to have that opportunity to um, share, you know, thoughts and uh, what the process was like for the community's um, education and um, understanding. Because like you said, uh, Superintendent Harris, it's a very historic process and just want to make sure that we get get the word out so everyone's on the same page. So Jonathan, we'll we'll just nip that in the bud right now. This is this is pretty informal. So just call me Jeff and we'll be good to go. That, that'll oh, save seconds of our time. <laughs> sounds good, Jeff. <laughs> so um so, you know, I, when I talked about this being historic, what we're talking about is what just happened over the course of the past few months, um, which is the movement of our board from an at-large election to a by-trustee area election. So for those of you who may not be aware, in 1965, um, all of the school districts in the county of Del Norte um, unified uh, Redwood was its own district. Smith River was its own district. Gasky was its own district. Um, Crescent Elk was its own district. Um, all of these districts unified throughout the county. Uh, we are now one of only seven single district counties in the state of California. Um, we're the largest, if you don't include San Francisco, of the remaining six. And um, this at-large election, really what it's looked like for, for the past decades has been that the trustee member must reside in their trustee area, but then every voting um, member of our community gets to place a vote on any trustee who's up for election. Um, That actually is now directly in opposition to the California Voter Rights Act or the CVRA that was passed in 2010. So Jonathan, um, can you tell us a little bit about CVRA and why it necessitated this kind of movement? Of course, Jeff. So as, as you put out, the, the CVRA um, was enacted to prohibit at-large elections. The reason being is that at-large elections could result in um, diluting the voting power of minority groups and minority in any sense of the term. Um, the, the unique, the unique thing about by trustee area elections is as Jeff was indicating, 
each trustee area gets to elect that one board member or that one trustee. And so it's a lot easier if a community of interest or a group of people live in a particular area and have um, similar um, voting preferences, um, it makes it easier for them to vote candidates of their choice. And it also makes it easier for candidates to run for office since they would only need to um, focus their public outreach on one portion of the community as opposed to the community as a whole. So this um, transition that um, the, the district just finalized um, is, is really great. I'm really proud um, of everyone who was involved. It's a lot of work, but um, it definitely helps out, um, especially from the legal standpoint, not having to face any legal liability from continuing to be um, at large. And you, you know, Jonathan, on, on that particular point, um, one of the questions that I've been asked was, well, the board could just not do this, right? Um, but you and I talked about mm -hmm. what some of the ramifications of CVRA could be or what the remedies or, or repercussions of not following through with this mm -hmm. could be. What, what were some of those? Yeah, some of those, um, they, get, they get pretty bad. So um, there are a couple of attorneys across the state that have been um, actively um, filing CVRA lawsuits or filing what's called a demand letter, um, demanding a district to transition from at-large to by trustee area. And when this happens, uh, one or two things occur. Either the district acquiesces, um, which is the easiest way to go about it. You just go through the steps and you end up paying the, the attorney that filed the demand somewhere around 30,000, it might be closer to 32,000 now due to inflation, um, dollars. The, the opposite end of that is some districts have tried to fight and say, no, we believe that our at-large election system is legally compliant with the CVRA and the Federal Voting Rights Act. There has not yet been a public agency that has won that lawsuit. Um, there are many that have settled and some of those settlements have been in amounts of millions of dollars. Wow. So just from a legally, um, you know, um, trying to be efficient with funds, um, often the legal advice is to, to just go with the change. Um, but there are also other reasons aside from the monetary repercussions for, for making this transition. So, and you know, Elisa, that kind of brings me to you a little bit because last night, um, when when Jonathan was walking us through what what seemed to be one of the most confusing series of meetings I think we've ever been through, right, Don? <laughs> uh, a Russian nesting doll of meetings. <laughs> uh, and Jonathan, you did a wonderful job, by the way. Um, thank you, thank you, Alisa. You had said you you made a comment something along the lines of I'm glad that the board's taking this action because this has been needed uh, this has needed to be done for a while. From your perspective, um, in, in the roles that you have as, within the county of Del Norte to oversee elections, um, why was this an important move for our board? Well, it was important for several reasons, but um, for the voters of Del Norte, I just think this is going to be a, a change for the better. It's going to make things easier and clearer. They're going to be more certain and sure on what they're doing when they're voting. Um, in the past, you know, we'd get calls all the time. People would think it was a mistake. They'd got three trustees on their ballot. Oh my gosh, you know, I can't vote for all of them because they're, you know, that's 
common. They just understand that, you know, you live in a district. That's who you right. vote for. You can't vote for three presidents. You can't right? vote for three presidents. So, <laughs> you know, it was really confusing to the voter. And um, and also just being in compliance with the California Voters' Right Act is very important. I mean, there's not too many things you can be out of compliance with and it, not at some point come back and bite you. So. Right. It, well, and I, I honest and truthfully, you know, Jonathan, you'd said there were attorneys looking all over the place. I think in some ways, and Elisa, tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, we're we're behind the redwood curtain. So I think sometimes people are focused on San Diego and San Francisco and Sacramento and any other city with an S in the name, Bakersfield, you know, I was going to say Fresno, but that has an S in the name too. Um, so does Crescent City. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so, you know, things may tend to lag here, but like you said, Jonathan, it, you know, it could only be a matter of time. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, Don, I, I know that as important as to number one, follow the law, you know, like Jonathan was talking and, and the importance for the voters of Crescent City, you had a little different perspective walking into the process as far as what this change would mean for, um, for the voters. So what, what was your initial objection? Well, one of the things that I've always appreciated about being on the board is that as a group and individually, we all represent all of the students and all of the parents in the county. And I saw that as a deliberate choice that the voters had made uh, and that it ought not to be changed um, abruptly. I also, you know, I share the CVRA uh, goal of minority representation, but my uh, assessment of the community is that our min- the people who are minorities of whatever variety uh, live all amongst us. So there are not large concentrations that um, this change is going to enable to um, obtain representation. Um, And I I still think that's true. And in fact, the demographer uh, revealed, I think, that our community is pretty well marbled together. We all live amongst each other. and, And I think that there are other ways that you could go about curing the problem. And so, and I also think there are liabilities associated with a by-trustee area election. The, the main one being that, um, I'll use a supervisor races. I, it's always irritated me that um, I can only vote for one of the five supervisors, even though all five make decisions which affect me. And I don't identify any particular uh, region as having a particular uh, community of interest, you might say, to, right. to borrow the language. So anyway, that. Well, I mean, so so I think it's really interesting, you know, because I, I definitely see the purpose of CVRA. I, I see where you're coming to coming at this from as well, Don. And I think we've even had some questions from some families that were like, well, if I if I vote for trustee X, who is representing Smith River and Gasky and, and Hayuchi, then my trustee is also not representing my child at the high school. And so I think that's really right. walking exactly. families through the fact that you elect the trustee from your trustee area, but the representation is as a board. It's the board that makes that decision. It's not your trustee for your schools. It's those five people for every school. 
You know, so that's, I, I think that'll be a little bit of a shift because again, yeah. I don't think our community has seen this since 1965, right? I mean, that's kind of. That's a long time to be doing it one way yeah. to all of a sudden shift. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I do accept that. Uh, and one of the reasons I voted for this, even though I have my philosophical disagreements with it, is that um, our job as a board is not to uh, achieve uh to choose among the, the competing goals that we have, it's to align ourselves with the law in California as it as it is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and given the, the liability issues on the other side and the fact that um, other districts do this and they're just fine. <laughs> <laughs> or not, as the case or may not. be. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the questions that's going to come up and really, so I'll just toss this out to all three of you, because you'll all see it from different perspectives. As the voter in Del Norte, what does this change for me, right? Do, do I have more rights? Do I have less rights? Is my ballot going to look different? Is my precinct staying the same? Um, what does this really mean for me now that the board's taken this action? Because just, just to be clear with everybody, um, last night, uh, which was Thursday night, February 10th, and you can find all of the information for that board meeting on our website at dnusd.org, um, our board selected map number four, which aligns our trustee districts with the um, board of supervisor election areas. Um, and our board maintained the election um, sequence. So uh, Jonathan, refresh my memory. I think it was mm -hmm. one, two, and five that are up this fall. <laughs> it I think that's is, true. Yes, I believe that's true as well. Oh, okay, well, you know, there's nothing like an oddball question out of left field. Jamie yeah. Angel and I. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> hey, not a problem, man. So um, I think we've got one, two, and five up for election in November, and uh, three and four that'll be up for election in 2024. So, um, so what is this going to look like for the voters of Del Norte? Um, do they do they have more rights, less rights? What's that ballot? Where are they going to? What's it look like? I'll, I'll jump in for, for my perspective really quick. And also um, just in case we may not, we might not have uh, stated this, but um, when the census came out in 2020, um, it necessitated a, a change um, based off of the fact that new census data results in us having new information about how many people live in each uh, each area. And so um, districts kind of, many districts across the state have, has, have used this opportunity with the new census data to make sure that their district boundaries, if they don't have them yet or are about to move to trustee areas, um, to make sure that they're um, equally populated. And so what I think one way to look at it is um, each, each voter, is going to have more equal voting power. Like the each voter's vote will count about as much as each other voters. And it just makes it that much easier just focusing on one area at a time to make sure that they're electing um, their favorite um, board member that happens to live in their area. So it could be that they know that particular board member more um, because they live within proximity or they know, oh yeah, I drive by that street 
um, all the time where that board member lives. Maybe it allows community members more access to individual board members. It also could have been the case that community members could access the board members um, quite easily prior to this. But those are just uh, an outsider's perspective on some of the benefits of switching to this kind of uh, by trustee area election system. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, I can see probably, I would say we're going to see District 3 and 4 voters probably feel the biggest impact this election because every November you have school board on your ballot. And this year, District 3 and 4 voters will not see a school board trustee on their ballot. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that, Elise. So that's going to be different, huh? Yeah. So I, I, I can see it impacting Districts 3 and 4 probably the most right off. Um, everybody else is still going to have a school board trustee, so it might not impact them as much. But right off, I could really see District 3 and 4 voters um, noticing this. Like, I always vote for a school board. Where, where's my choices? You're going to be getting lots of calls about misprinted ballots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what I see. Um, as far as the choice that was made for MAP4, in my own opinion, I, I feel like that was the best choice um, for us. I feel like they were all so close, um, really, anyway. I think mm -hmm. it would have been really confusing for voters to make those other changes. Yeah. Well, and and this this means there's no real precinct changes. There's none of those kind of things. It's just it, it's going to fall right in line with what's going on with the Board of Supervisors and kind of what people, like you said, other than people in uh, areas three and four are used to. But, you know, I think that's interesting because, Don, you alluded to it a minute ago, and Elisa, you just um, alluded to it. And, Jonathan, you mentioned it. When when we were working with our demographers, the one thing that we didn't see was we didn't see any large um, clusters or large population centers of um, minority or, or typically unrepresented groups that were clustered in a way that really necessitated major changes. Um, and my, my recollection during a lot of the conversation was our community was so small and already so integrated that that was almost impossible, um, based on population. Um, was that, is that kind of right in line with, with what you heard Jonathan and Don? If I understand your point, yes, I, I think that is what I understood. Um, and that and, and that goes to the heart. You know, Jonathan, from your perspective, I can see where um, a change like this in a lot of communities could give greater access to uh, an individual board member or, or would uh, create a greater familiarity on the part of an individual board member with an area. But our community is small enough that I don't. I think people have pretty ready access, and it's more based on friendship connections or uh, social connections than than it is geographic connections. Yes, to, to follow up on that, both of uh, what you said, Don, and what you said, Jeff, uh, definitely is in line uh, with what the demographer uncovered looking at the. The, the, the numbers of the population where people um, reside within your your district. I don't think it would have been possible without the classic gerrymandering of, you know, drawing a snake that curves, you know, throughout the district to capture all of one minority group. Um, so I definitely understand your, your point, Don, like this, uh, it's, you know, let's say hypothetically, um, Delnor would have received one of these demand letters. Um, very well, could have been the case that um, you would have been able to win that battle. 
um, they're the first public agency um, to basically say, you know what, actually, we our, 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 our current at-large system of election was legally compliant and you're wasting your time filing this demand against us. It's just that to get to that point and get to that conclusion is a very lengthy legal battle that um, most, most public agencies just say, you know what, let's just make that transition prior to this. Even if we would have been right, um, let's just ensure that we are being compliant with this new law um, that's, that's just my two cents. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, um, I take it, I can't ask for a do-over. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's too late. <laughs> well, well, so that, that was a question that came up last night, um, is if four, six, another 10 years from now, when the next census is done, um, if we were to go through this process again, and I think, uh, and I mentioned it at the board meeting last night, but I'll just say it one more time. And that is, you know, one of the reasons that our board went through their entire process independently of the board of supervisors was because the board of supervisors was redistricting. They, they are elected by their supervisor area. Our board was districting. So while there was a, a trustee area, um, they were not elected by trustee area previously. They were elected at large. And so for the first time we were districting. So the board redistrict, redistricted, I don't know. Um, and our board was districting. And so they wanted to make sure that all of this, um, this data was accurate and that they had, they had independently verifiable data that they were looking at. So Jonathan, just hypothetically, if 10 years from now, um, the next round of census data comes out and Don is still on the board. <laughs> I think he tried to throw something at me. Um, and he were to say, you know, we want to go back to at large because once again, the data is showing us that that uh, by trustee area has no benefit over at large. Is that something the board could look at in, in a decade after we all retire and don't have to deal with it? <laughs> that is a that is a very interesting question. And there's a I think there's a reason why I have never thought of that before. It's because most people, after making this change from potentially not in compliance to guaranteed in compliance it seems rare that someone would want to go back and take that risk, like to be back into a zone where they could be at risk of the being violating this California Voting Rights Act. But um, just hypothetically, I think that's something, you know, board members could, I mean, the county committee um, has the authority to change a district election system. And so, although I have not heard of anyone shifting from by trustee back to at large, um, just looking at the way that the law is, I, I guess it's a it's a possibility. It can be done in theory. Um, <laughs> I, I, if, I, if, if Lozano Smith is still your counsel, then you might have to talk. <laughs> uh, could I ask a, a speculative question? Um, uh, because this is actually what. I would have preferred, and uh, to me, the, the issue with the um, by trustee area election is 
that it not only does it deprive people of the right to choose for four of the five uh, trustees, but it doesn't cure the problem. It doesn't create any more likelihood that you're going to get a minority voter uh, or, or a minority candidate to win. Whereas what I would have preferred is something on the order of a ranked choice system where, um, not to get into the complexities of it, um, but it would allow people to express preferences and a minority community across all the groups could uh, agree or could be attracted to a minority candidate or someone who spoke to their particular interests and they could vote and elect that person even though they're not uh, geographically uh, confined. So it's, to me, uh, geography is not destiny, and, and we're drawing our maps as though that is the, uh, the thing that's uh, determinative, and I just don't think it should be anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, it just brings up some very interesting things, right? And, and again, uh, Jonathan and I had other conversations. This law was not necessarily written, to address Del Norte County, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's a, for us, it's a fix to a problem that didn't exist. Um, but it's a problem that now the, the board has addressed and, and like you said, Jonathan, they are legally compliant now with CVRA and, uh, as they move forward, the, there is no challenge to the system. Um, so, Right here at the tail end of this, I just want to open it up. Are there any last thoughts on this? I, I just really want to um, say um, thank you to Jonathan. I mean, this was very unique because not only was he working through a process that you're very familiar with, um, you were working within a system that I don't think any rational person would be familiar with. And <laughs> that, that, that was working with a single district county because Don... Uh, you you and your firm were giving Don advice as a district board member on what needed to happen, as a county board member on what needed to happen, um, with Don working with himself on the county district joint meetings, and then Don leading the charge in the com the county committee on redistricting or reorganization. So. All to pass something that I didn't like. <laughs> I, I, I suggested that we should, the different meetings should come with different hats, colored hats. <laughs> so it was, it was very interesting and it was very, um, uh, I think, enlightening to everybody. And uh, Lisa, I know that you were watching that, that progress that they had as well. So any last thoughts from anybody before we uh, sign off? We're, we're about at our time. I, I just want an answer to the question. Could the board go with ranked choice voting at some future point? Is, is that directed toward me? That, I'm sorry, Jonathan. Yes, it is. It's not directed toward me, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, man. Like, uh, well, just uh, going back to the whole, we're just having a conversation and this is not legal advice. Um, yeah. I would say in theory, um, ranked voting could be in your district's future but I would definitely check in with legal counsel before making that change. Okay, That's my, thank, you. Little, thank you. My one and a half cents on this one. <laughs> okay, well, I think that. That was an you. absolute maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Elisa, Jonathan, any last thoughts? Well, I'll just say real quick, um, I just want to thank the school district because, you know, I just went through the redistricting process with the county and, it's a lot of work and, you know, the, to make the decision to 
take this on and whether you agree or disagree, you still, you took the project on and you did a great job. And I just want to say thank you for that. And I'd like to thank Jonathan for all your patient advice. I, I really, really appreciate it. And my last thoughts would be, you know, kudos to Del Norte, the board, district staff, everyone involved in this, because there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes work, scheduling meetings and um, communication going out to make sure that the community is informed. And honestly, I think just everyone just did a, did a fantastic job. And I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, to be there with you all when you made it to the finish line. It will again, thank all three of you, um, for joining me today. Um, and again, I will be retired before this question happens one more time. So, um, so the best to everybody. Uh, if you would like more information on uh, the board's actions and on the California Voter Rights Act as it applied to Del Norte County, if you'd like to go back and revisit the steps that were taken, you can go to dnusd.org slash CVRA. All of those documents are there. The maps are there. Um, uh, minutes are there. Everything is in that location. Uh, you can check it out. And if you have any questions about it, you can always contact us at 464-6141. And we're more than happy to answer your questions. So I um, hope everyone has a great weekend. Weather has been unseasonably warm, so I will be mowing my lawn. And I hope you have fun outdoors, too. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.